and welcome to On Campus on this Tuesday afternoon, where we go inside your college campus and get insight from you, the fans. I'm your host, Jerry McMahon, and I hope you all had a better Saturday than Kentucky, Texas A&M, Virginia, Miami, and Oklahoma State fans. I'm going to keep this opening segment pretty short for today, but what I wanted to touch on before moving on to our Week 9 week recap of college football is all the fights in the locker rooms that have been going on in the past few weeks. Players on their own teams fighting each other on the sidelines. And yes, I know Michigan-Michigan State is a rivalry game, but you don't see Texas and Oklahoma players getting into it at the tunnel in the Cotton Bowl. The scene displayed Saturday night at the Big House was alarming and disheartening. Mel Tucker did the right thing by suspending four players, but if you look more closely at that video, you can actually count out 11 more players. People want to blame the one Michigan player for fighting back? Fine, but just know if you were in that situation, you'd fight back too. College football has had some positive changes in the past few years, but there's just something off about the current state of college football, and I really can't put a pulse on it since I'm not in the since I'm not since I don't have a daily presence at athletic departments, conferences, or NCAA meetings. But stuff like this didn't happen ten years ago. Heck, it didn't even happen five years ago. All right, guys. So that was a lot. But now moving on to our week nine recap in college football, and it was a wild one with top ten teams going down to the wire against unranked three and four teams. Tennessee asserting its dominance in prime time and the worst performance of the Mike Gundy era. First game up here is a fun one in the Big Ten, Ohio State at Penn State. You know, when the third quarter ends, teams and fans hold up four fingers to show that they're going to own the fourth quarter. Well, quite frankly, that owning of the fourth quarter really only went one way in Happy Valley, and that was to the Buckeyes. I gotta tell you, though, I was both surprised and pleased as someone who A, loves upsets, and B, hates Ohio State, to see that Penn State was not only competitive, but that they were even leading at halftime. But they couldn't overcome the turnovers and the several missed conversions. Sean Clifford was 32 of 47 for 371 yards and had three touchdowns and three picks, with two coming in the first quarter. And then, of course, you know, he had the late six pick, the late pick six, like about two minutes and 40 seconds left. That's, that just was their final down in the coffin for him. Catron Allen led the team in rushing with 12 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. And Parker Washington had a fantastic day with 11 catches for 179 yards and a score. The Buckeyes were paced by Marvin Harrison Jr., who had 10 catches for 185 yards, and Trayvon Henderson added two fourth-quarter touchdown runs. Overall, the Nittany Lions outgained the Buckeyes and had more first downs, but three interceptions and a strip sack make it very difficult to win, especially against the second-ranked team in the country. This Buckeye team earned a big win on the road and fought back in a hostile environment, which should bode well in the eyes of the College Football Playoff Committee come Tuesday. Our next game here, it was a complete blowout in the Little Apple, Oklahoma State at Kansas State. And this is by far I've ever seen an Oklahoma State team play in the X amount of years that I've been watching college football. The Pokes, but the, this is their first time being shut out for the first time since 2009. And their biggest regular season loss since the 2000 game versus Texas Tech, which the Pokes dropped 58 to nothing. What it looked like to me was that after three games against tough, hard-hitting defenses, Spencer Sanders' shoulder just finally wore out. Even against Texas, when he was still pretty banged up and people didn't really know going into the game if, if he was going to play or not, he still ended up playing pretty solid football in that game. Now, I don't know if he practiced last week or not, or if Gunny sat him out for the week again. I don't know. I'm not in Stillwater constantly. But it was obvious when, when watching that offense perform that they didn't know left from right or how to even execute a play. I mean, but, you know, all things considered, at least Mike Gundy took credit for the loss in the postgame press conference. Lots of coaches don't even do that. But the Pokes, in my opinion, you're out of the running for Arlington, and you're most likely out of the run for a New Year's Six Big. But give Kansas State all the credit in the world for a perfectly executed game plan and Chris Kleiman's most complete game, in my opinion, since he took over in Manhattan. 
Will Howard had himself a career day. Deuce Vaughn, Malik Knowles, the whole offense for the Cats could not be stopped behind a very aggressive and gutsy play calling by Colin Klein. But to see the turnaround for this offense after last week's collapse at TCU, all this tells me is that Arlington is going to have a fun one with these two teams most likely getting another shot at each other. Moving on, and this is probably the worst football game of this year. I mean, it was very fun for me to laugh at because I'm not a fan of either of these two teams, but Miami at Virginia. Miami won this one 14-12 in four overtimes, and, you know, Virginia has an excuse to be bad at football. You know, they're known for their academics and their men's basketball team, and the football team really only puts together a winning season every 20 years. But the U? Come on now, you're the U. You're supposed to be one of those schools like Texas and Michigan, where you have both the academics and the sports. This is a game that made me laugh so hard I was almost crying. Okay, but for Miami and UVA fans, I don't know how y'all guys made it through, which is what is most likely the worst four hours of your life alive. There was absolutely no offense at all, which we all know makes football fun. There's a reason I love watching Tech when Patrick Mahomes is there. Eight field goals, no touchdowns, big play, no touchdowns, no big plays, no fumble recoveries, no interceptions, no pick sixes, nothing. Nada. I mean, it's almost as if both teams went into this one with the mindset of, hey, let's embarrass ourselves and our fans, because that's exactly what they did. Moving on now to our Week 10 preview in college football. First one here, it's primetime in Death Valley, and there is nothing like it in college football. Number 6, Alabama, at number 14, LSU. But Nick Saban does know this. Experience is a big factor in this game, with a young transfer portal built LSU squad against a young but very good Alabama team. What LSU does have for them is that they were on a bye week last week, so at least they'll be more rested and hopefully did some scouting on the tide. Now, LSU did play its most complete game of the season against Old Miss, obliterating the lane train by 25 points. However, how good is Old Miss, really, after almost losing to a freshman quarterback last Saturday, who, by the way, was making his first career start? When it comes down to it, though, I just don't think LSU has the guys and the experience necessary to contend with the tide. Maybe it'll be different in Death Valley this time since Saban's team has struggled with road games this year and with penalties. But I like the Tide to roll in this one by 14. Moving on to the uh, top, top 25 matchup in the ACC, Wake Forest and NC State. Got a 15 home game winning streak on the line as the number 22 Wake Forest Demon Deacons face the number 24 NC State Wolfpack in Raleigh. The Deeks are coming off a 48-21 blowout loss to Louisville on Saturday, but the game was truly handed away in the third quarter. The Cardinals' defense forced eight turnovers from the Demon Deacons and a 35-to-zip scoring outbreak in the third quarter from Louisville and did any hopes of a Wake Forest comeback. The dominant defensive effort included a 90-yard reception return by Quincy Riley, who will propel Scott Satterfield in his first win over a top-10-ranked team. NC State, on the other hand, who was without starter Devin Leary, rallied by first-year quarterback MJ Morris and his three second-half touchdowns. Now, granted, it wasn't pretty, but the Wolfpack still won and they still kept improving under a first-year quarterback. Here's a good thing for the Wolfpack. You're going up against a Wake Forest defense that really can't stop anybody to save their lives, and NC State's defense is still pretty good this year. In the battle of the defenses, the Wolfpack make it 16 straight at home in a 7-point victory. And this is the game of the year, in my opinion. Number 2, Tennessee. Of course, they're tied with Ohio State this week. First time I ever saw that in the AP Bowl teams being tied with each other. At number 1, Georgia. Now, regardless of this outcome, both of these teams will still make the college football playoff. They're just, both of them are just too good not to be in. And I, quite frankly, don't care what anybody says about it. it's unfair about two teams from the same conference being in. No, if you're good enough and have a good enough resume, good enough players, you should be able to be in. That's how this thing works. The Vols come into this game with the most impressive resume in the 2022 college football season with wins over LSU on the road, Alabama at home, and most recently, Kentucky at home. 
While Georgia has beaten some decent teams and faced some stiff competition, they've done the one team that good they've they've done the one thing that good teams cannot afford to do. Play down to their opponent and overlook them. Games against Kent State, now granted Kent State is a very solid group of five team, took the most money in handouts from FBS schools this year. You 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 look down at Missouri and you started out slow against Sanford. Yes, Georgia has a more experienced quarterback and receivers, and their defensive line is probably all going to go in the first round of this year's NFL draft. But this Tennessee team, they're just special, and there is something different about this team. They definitely have some 2019 LSU vibes to them, and we all know what that team did. If this game were at Neyland, Vols easy pick for the win. If this game were a neutral site, still I picked the Vols to win. However, this game is at Sanford Stadium, with ticket prices soaring to over $600 just to get in the gates. Now Georgia has the home field advantage, and probably has the defensive advantage. But even look at last week. Georgia let a subpar Florida team hang around for a while, while Tennessee destroyed a very solid Kentucky team. Vols, take Athens, and the SEC East. Now moving on to this week in NIL. Uh, first one up here, the Heart, Mind, and Soul was unveiled by the student-athlete NIL, the same company that operates collectives such as Successful Thunder at Penn State, Crimson and Cream at Oklahoma, and the Knights of the Raritan at Rutgers. Heart, Mind, and Soul will support the Creighton Blue Jays women's basketball team. The student-athlete NIL CEO, Jason Belzer, has high expectations for Heart, Mind, and Soul. Belzer said in a statement, Being the only show in town, Creighton has an incredible opportunity to make a statement in the NIL space. Not only do they have an incredibly loyal fan base, but there are hundreds of companies based in Omaha who have shown interest in engaging with student-athletes for marketing and endorsement opportunities. In addition to the launch, Heart, Mind, and Soul revealed it signed the entire Creighton volleyball squad to NIL deals. Heart, Mind, and Soul also helped facilitate an agreement between the volleyball players and the Little King Deli and Subs, a popular Nebraska-based sandwich shop. Creighton has a number of successful athletic programs, but their volleyball team is one of the best in the country. The Blue Jays are the eight-time defending champions of the Big East, plus they've made 10 straight NCAA tournament appearances. The squad is cur- is, this squad is currently ranked number 15th in the nation and is 18-3 overall and 10-0 in conference play this season. Outside hitter Nora Sis, the Nebraska native, was named preseason Big East Player of the Year after a standout season, that saw her pick up National Freshman of the Year honors from VolleyballMagazine.com. News of the NIL deals and the collective launch were met by excitement with the players. Heart, Mind, and Soul is changing the NIL landscape and providing opportunities for all Creighton student-athletes, Creighton middle blocker Keanu Schmidt said in a social media post. Heart, Mind, and Soul has multiple subscription levels ranging from $10 to more than $500 monthly. Each of the different levels offer unique perks including access to supporter events, Heart, Mind, and Soul apparel, and meet-and-greet sessions with student-athletes. Now moving on to our next... NIL deal year. And, you know, they were known for a New Year's Six bowl game for a long time. Of course, they lost that in a sponsorship grab. Outback Steakhouse inks NIL deals with 13 college football players. And now it's added even, and now it's added 13 more athletes to its college football teammates roster. The, the announcement coincides with the launch of its Stake It to the House campaign, which will take tailgates and team meals up another level. The new members of Outback's teammates program include Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen, Georgia running back Kendall Milton, Elon defensive lineman John Seaton, Michigan wide receiver A.J. Henning, Bethune Cook defensive back Jaden Hodge, Alabama State quarterback Demetrius Davis Jr., North Carolina receiver Josh Downs, Florida wide receiver Justin Shorter, Clemson wide receiver Bo Collins, and Syracuse running back Sean Tucker, and Vanderbilt linebacker Eric Tussel, and Old Miss defensive tackle K.D.A. Hill, UCLA wide receiver Jake Bowe. Outback plans to give back to fans as part of its NIL campaign. Allen and Milton each have a limited edition Outback-themed NFTs dropping on Thursday. The non-fundable tokens will be redeemable for prizes, including sodden memorabilia and gift cards. Athletes will also promote the new initiatives on their social media platforms. 
Allen, Milton, Seton, and Henning plan to use their deals with the steakhouse to donate catered meals to the boys and girls clubs in their college communities during the holidays. Select athletes will also have an opportunity to cater meals for their offensive line. Outback is a member of the community where several top collegiate athletic programs are located, and we're also big fans, Outback President Brett Patterson said in a statement. One of the best parts about being on sports teams is the camaraderie that comes from it, and we are excited to continue our support of college athletes by giving them an option for their group dinners with our catering options. The teammates program is only getting started for the year, though. All college athletes are able to apply for gift cards and merchandise. Plans are to accept 50, a- 50 athletes in the coming month. Next year, this is just another focus story here. The V Foundation, you know, they've done great work for cancer research, and they're giving NC State women's basketball teams NIL deals to continue the fight against cancer. The partnership with members of the NC State's women's basketball team have already raised more than $5,200, according to a spokesperson with Pack for Wolves, the NC State Collective that facilitated the NIL deal and got the fundraiser off the ground. This collaboration combines two areas our family is very passionate about, Wolfpack Sports and the V Foundation's work in cancer research. Matt Hong, the former CEO of Turner Sports and Packer Wolves Advisory Board member, told On3NIL. We're also excited to serve as a test case for other, indivi- for other businesses or individuals to partner with NC State athletes to use their name, image, and likeness to raise awareness and money for a good cause. Being able to support impactful organizations like the V Foundation is an attractive new benefit of the Pack of Wolves NIL platform. Leaders at the V Foundation are excited about the success of the, cam- of the campaign so far, and hopefully more money can be generated before the end of the month. We are excited and thankful to have top-notch student-athletes using their platform to benefit breast cancer research, said St. Jacobson, CEO of the V Foundation. We are united as one team with the common goal of accelerating breast cancer research to find a cure for this disease. Members of the NC State women's basketball team have been extremely active in the Raleigh community and on social media, helping raise funds for for this good cause. Every member of the squad has posted donation requests on their accounts, and some have even ventured out into the local areas to generate more donation. Each player on the NC State women's basketball roster has their own donation page on the V Foundation website. Now moving around to our next segment, the failures of the week. Mike, and first off, Mike Gundy. It's his worst loss in program history, a bad offensive game plan, and a defense that really didn't even look like they were there. Look, I like Mike Gundy a lot, but there is no excuse to not show up and play your own brand of football. Now, the Pokes should be able to beat Kansas, even most likely without Spencer Sanders, but I honestly wouldn't even put it past him to see a Kansas win. Now moving on to our next one, Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops has turned this Kentucky program around in the last couple of years, but at Neyland Stadium, they look like the old version of Kentucky. Will Levis was getting bossed around and sacked and picked off every which way you could think of. The defense, well, they couldn't really stop Tanner Hooker and Jalen Hyde, even if they tried. Next on here, and this one really disappointed me here, Joey McGuire. You had a sellout, primetime game, blackout, and Patrick Mahomes being inducted into the Ring of Honor. All the fields to set up for a win, not to mention you're playing a subpar Baylor team. But bad play calling from Zach Kittley and the offensive line forcing their quarterbacks to make throws they, they couldn't make. Easily the worst I've seen Texas Tech play this year, and it doesn't get any easier with the only undefeated team in the state of Texas up next. And now keep moving on our trend of the failing Big 12 coaches is West Virginia's Neil Brown. Well, if West Virginia played well for the most part against TCU, they still couldn't finish the job when it mattered most. And that's been the storyline so far for an underperforming Mountaineer team led by former USC and Georgia quarterback JT Daniels. The good news is for Neil Brown is that he'll still have his job for another year because Shane Lyons doesn't want to or can't afford his buyout. And our last year, moving on to the Big Ten, James Franklin. All Penn State had to do was play good football for one more quarter, 15 minutes. You'd been keeping with Ohio State all day, so that shouldn't be a problem, right? 
Well, it was. They gave up 28 unanswered points to the Buckeyes as Ryan Day's squad got their marquee win of the year to date, and Penn State fell right out of the college football playoff conversation. Now moving on to my updated Heisman and playoff predictions for this week. The Heisman pretty much stays the same. Hedden Hooker at number one, CJ Stroud at number two, Blake Corwin at number three, but we have an addition of Caleb Williams at number four. You know, I'm not a big USC fan. I'm not even a big Caleb Williams fan, but he is just too good to deny him even a shot at that. If you're able to get scored drives in in 30 seconds, that takes something special. And our dark horses here, Max Duggan and Bo Nix. In the playoff, Tennessee at number one, Ohio State at number two, Georgia at number three, and TCU at number four. Now, Tennessee and Georgia could switch depending on the result of this weekend. But again, like I said, I still think Tennessee's going to win this game on Saturday, so I still think they're going to be number one in the playoff. Anyways, guys, for all of us here at On Campus, I'm Jerry Mackman, and may you suck at all the football games this weekend.